0: It has become traditional among many pagans to mark the four quarters of the Samhain circle with jack-o'-lanterns. But it might also be in keeping with the season to light one white candle in a jack-o'-lantern placed in the window or on a front porch to beckon the spirits. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode: A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Somewhere in the past, probably somewhere around 1,000 to even 100 BC, there was a group called the Druids. The Druids were from the area of the British Isles, and they were kind of like the pagans or the New Agers of their day. And they got involved in what's called nature worship. And so they thought gods, goddesses, weren't everything in the trees, in the animals. That's why a lot of those people who are in these areas are very environmentally uh, involved because they believe in, in protecting the environment. They're doing something to uh, help with uh, what they worship. And so they began to celebrate a holiday called, it's spelled S M S A M H A I N Samhain. Samhain. But as you read a little bit more on, on this, they say it's pronounced Sawen. Wen, And this is a night, and remember, this is what they believed. This is not what we believed. This is what they believed. They believed that the celebrations of the seasons were the most important thing. So when it moved from, for example, uh, into the winter season and the days got shorter and the trees were not producing crops and that kind of thing, at the change of the season, they would call it a festival. They believe that something spiritually happened. They believe that on that night of, they wouldn't call it Halloween, but on this night of October the 31st, kind of in that changed into the winter season, the veil between the living and the dead was the thinnest. So they thought that this was the time of year that spirits could walk among the people. And uh, if a loved one who had passed on, you know, had died, they could revisit their homes and that kind of thing. And this is where some of the stories of ghosts come from. So just so you understand, this is not what we believe, this is what they believe. And they believe that on this night, ghosts could be especially active. So some of you have seen movies and stuff, and maybe you've participated in this where people tell ghost stories, right? And they put the flashlight in their face on a dark night, Many moons ago, there was a dog, you know, and whatever. Anyway, thank you for the background sound there, by the way. And so people say, oh, that was a spooky story. Spooky, right? And I'm spooked out. And, And some people like that kind of stuff. They like to get kind of spooked out. I don't recommend that. I don't see really what's great about it. I guess if you could say that you know it's fantasy, if you know, for example, if you watch a movie and you know it's in the fantasy realm, then okay, that's one thing. But we know horror movies and that kind of thing have been big in our culture, and so we we need to be careful with that. So in the history of this holiday practiced by the Druids, the church did something. And the church throughout its history, right, wrong, or indifferent, here's what the church would do the church would look at a pagan holiday on the calendar and try to put a Christian remembrance on the date of that holiday to basically take it on or confront it. So here's what happened in AD 835. Pope Gregory IV designated November 1st as All Saints Day. What's All Saints Day? All Saints Day is a holiday on the Christian calendar that remembers faithful saints of old, who lived and died for the gospel. So on November the 1st, they would remember those who had went before us like the apostle Paul and like other faithful Christians. And there would be a day to celebrate their lives. The night before All Saints Day was called All Hallows Evening. It was the evening before. We have a holiday called Christmas and we have Christmas Eve. Many of you enjoy going to Christmas Eve services. It's become a holy night for many of you. Why? Because it anticipates Christmas Day. We'll put the dating aside for a second and just say, that's a special night for a lot of us as believers. Why? Because the next day we remember the birth of our Savior, right? Well, the day before All Saints Day on November 1st was October 31st. And it was called by the church, All Hallows Evening. The word hallow, think about it, is holy. Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, pray this way. Hallowed be your name, right? So there's nothing wrong with hallowed. That's a good thing. It means holy. And so Halloween is a shortened version of all hallows evening. Some of the letters were just kind of taken away and the word was scrunched into Halloween. And so Halloween technically is a Christian alternative to a pagan holiday, all hallows evening. But would you know that if I asked you, if I did a survey right now, most of you wouldn't know that that was the history. But what you do need to know is that there was no fixed date for All Saints Day for a lot of the history of the church, is my understanding. So it was placed on this day, and it was really the initial Halloween alternative was set back in AD 835, so some people may say, should churches have Halloween alternatives? Well, the church has been practicing it for quite a long time. And in fact, there's, there's a little bit of debate now, but even our celebration of Christmas and the date of Christmas takes on a pagan holiday. And so here's what the church did. The church wasn't living and dying with dates so much. It was just saying, look, if the pagan world is going to be superstitious and weird and freaked out on this night, we'll do something Christian on this night as an alternative to glorify God and point people to the gospel. Amen. So this is what the church did. Now, here's what the problem was, though. Oftentimes when the church did something like that, the pagan elements of the Holiday in paganism mixed with Christian elements sometimes produced not so Christian results. Sometimes the two blended together and it wasn't necessarily a healthy blending. Travis Allen again comments. He says, new converts found these holidays to be a stumbling block to their faith. So new believers to deal with the problem, the organized church would directly challenge a pagan holiday. The intent was to counter the pagan influences and provide a Christian alternative. But most often, the church only succeeded in Christianizing a pagan ritual. The ritual was still pagan, but mixed with Christian symbolism. That's what happened to All Saints Eve. It was the original Halloween Halloween alternative, close quote. So sometimes we all, and it's unbelievable, but here we are coming on the Christmas season again. And you drive through your neighborhood You're getting close to Christmas and look around a little bit. What do you see? How many manger scenes do you see? Oh, there's a lot of Frosties. There's a lot of reindeer that move in a cool way. Look like they're eating something, right? There's Santa coming down the roof. You know, he's on skis, right? Hey, we all enjoy going to see the lights. By the way, I drive people crazy around the church. I will admit it. I love the lights of Christmas. I like to see the lights. I like to put lights on the church. And the team says, oh, Pastor Michael, please keep it to a minimum this year. I like to raise the bar every year. Let's do 2,000 lights on the church. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Why? So we can be the light of the world. And so All Saints Day and All Hallows Evening became a challenge to an ancient Druid holiday. So... Some of the symbols that you see around you on this holiday, you'll see imagery of death, skeletons, skulls, black, all of this stuff ties to their thought that the veil was the thinnest on this night. And so they thought that somehow if there was a chance to communicate with those who had moved on, those who had died, it would be on this night. And there are some people who apparently still think that today. Do we believe they're right? No. No, we, do, we don't believe they're right. But we will say this. 1 Peter 5.8 says, The devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to what? Devour. It doesn't say only on October 31st or only in a magnified way on October 31st. No. No, we know that we're in a spiritual battle, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love and a sound mind. So if you're a a recent convert to Christianity, and maybe you have some of this stuff, you know, in your background, I understand um, how this might trouble you in terms of, you know, how Christians may or may not participate. But here's what you need to know. You've been delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light in the kingdom of God's beloved son. You don't have to fear anything anymore, including death itself. The only fear that the culture should have, if you want to talk about a healthy fear, is to fear the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what of wisdom. And it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you don't know him, then get to know him. We should be preaching that. That's a healthy fear. I'm not saying go, go around and say to people, fear the Lord. Right? But I am saying to people, I'm saying that you should Preach the gospel in truth to people. The ancient Druids believed that this night was the time of no time. And they believed that the spirits would go around and maybe even harass people. We don't believe this. This is what they believed. I just want to qualify. So you had to treat them so they wouldn't trick you. So if a spirit was coming by your house, I don't know what this would look like. You had to put Snickers bars out on the porch (laughs) so that they would be happy with you. And if you didn't treat them, they could trick you. This is where trick or treat comes from. So when we, you know, ring a doorbell, if you take your kids trick or treating and you say trick or treat. This is is connected to the ancient idea that spirits had to be treated or they would trick you. And so people thought that the spirits could show up in different forms, even grotesque kind of forms. And so if you didn't treat them, they might trick you. So if you put a costume on, they might think you're one of them and leave you alone. So if you put a weird looking costume on, they might just say, how are you doing? Just think you're another spirit. Hopefully you wouldn't have to have a conversation with them. you just high five them as they float by. you know am doing all right I don't know what spirit talk, how spirits talk, but hey, yeah, what do you think of the Dodgers? You know? <laughs> we don't believe this that's what they believed. everybody understand yes. we don't believe this that's what they believed, so they would sometimes dress up to think that they would be protected from evil on this night, or they would leave food out on the porch, or they would do things like make huge bonfires because fires were supposed to uh, scare the spirits away. So if you made a big enough fire, no spirits or spooks would mess with you. This is what they believed. And so people did all these different things and they got involved in these practices and they largely did them. Please hear me well. Out of fear. Fear of what? Well, as a Christian, you don't need to live in fear. Right? Jesus Christ has removed even the fear of death. He's conquered the devil. He made an open spectacle of principalities and powers triumphing over them through the cross. So you can be at peace. You can breathe easy. You're Name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're protected by the power of God. Your place is reserved in heaven. All of those things belong to you as a Christian. One of the greatest things that you can do as a Christian is understand your identity in Jesus. Once you understand who you are in Jesus, you don't have to freak out about what other people freak out about. You don't, because you have a hope in you. And that hope is the anchor of your soul. So this is what would happen with this festival of ignorant superstitions and fears. People would do silly things. They would get involved in silly things, all because of fear. So Christian converts found family and cultural influence hard to withstand. They were tempted to rejoin the pagan festivals, especially Salwen or Samhain. Thus, the response of the church in the ninth century with this celebration of all saints day. Sometimes what happens is you become a Christian, but the culture around you begins to pull you back. And there's, there's different ways that this happens to all of us, but we begin to look at the, the old life and the old ways, and we can find we're getting pulled back into it. And so that's where as Christians, we we need to be wise about knowing who we are in Jesus. Those who practice divination, as mentioned in Deuteronomy 18, were somehow trying to get in touch with the other world or the spirit world. But God said in many passages in Old and New Testament, I don't want you to go there. Don't mess with that stuff. So some of you who are a little older and teenagers, I think maybe especially, you may have friends who try to pull you into stupid things. Can I just tell you now, don't do it don't go there. There's no reason you already have the best that there can be. So don't don't go for cheap substitutes. Once you've had a double double with grilled onions, why eat any other cheeseburger? Can I get a witness? Anybody? All right. Now, the ceremony of Halloween underwent an infusion of other pagan influences when the Celt homeland or the Celt homeland was absorbed by the Roman Empire. While Rome allowed the Druid Druid priests to continue all their ceremonies, except uh, different sacrifices that they were involved in, new rituals of Roman origins were also incorporated. Chief among them was the worship of a goddess named Pomona. Not the city of Pomona, by the way. She was the goddess of the harvest. Representing bounty uh, bounty and fertility, Pomona was shown in art as sitting on a great basket of fruits and flowers and a horn of plenty at her feet. Apples were the sacred fruit of the goddess. Many games of divination involving apples entered into Salwen or Samhain through her influence. One of the most popular modern day expressions of this is bobbing for apples. And so, you say, what? Yeah, well... Of course, if you've ever done it before, I'm sure you weren't doing it involved in the worship of the goddess of Pomona. But, but this is where it comes from. And people would cut apple slices and see which way they fell and think that it had some premonition of the future. It's interesting. I was driving down Hamner Avenue and, uh, I think I was with pastor John and it was kind of interesting. There was a, uh, there's Calvary Chapel Norco right there on Hamner, and don't remember the cross street. And there's a psychic right in front of Calvary Chapel Norco, and you're like, "Wait, what? What's going on? Well, what's the deal with this? Why Why would someone go to a psychic? Because they want to know information about what their future, and so they might go to a psychic and try to get a reading. For what? Well, am I going to meet somebody tall, dark, and handsome? Is this going to happen? And some people are really desperate and some people are fearful, but as a Christian, you are not to go there. You already have 66 books of your Bible. Let me just recommend that you read these first before you worry about anything else. How much of this have you gotten through? You know, our our culture is telling us, oh, go do this, or try that, check this out. Look, those people, they don't have a clue. And if anything is happening that has any truth to it, like they came up with something that may be true of your life, the source is not God. So don't mess with it. Don't mess with anything dark. And don't even walk the edge. There's no reason to do so. And so um, these are the... The hit, this is the, some of the history of the holiday and how people were fascinated with it and how people sometimes get fascinated with it today. All right, some of the Halloween traditions quickly as we line down. A jack-o'-lantern, which seems to be the universal symbol of Halloween that's behind me, comes from a legend about an Irish drunk uh, named Irish or Stingy Jack. The origin of jack-o'-lanterns were potatoes or turnips carved and illuminated by Irish children and used to light Halloween gatherings. The candle inside the pumpkin, they thought, was of magical importance. The candle flame represents not only the element of fire, but also the white light of pure spirit. This is what they say. It has become traditional among many pagans to mark the four quarters of the Samhain circle with jack-o'-lanterns. But it might also be in keeping with the season to light one white candle in a jack-o'-lantern placed in the window or on a front porch to beckon the spirits. And so this is just another thing that they did. I mentioned to you the colors, the costumes, the trick-or-treating, the dark clothing of witches. And even, you know, as the the holiday kind of imbibes some Christian expressions or Christian beliefs, People even went door to door and thought maybe they could benefit dead loved ones who, who might be in purgatory. So as the, the church evolved over time and, you know, the, the Roman Catholic Church was obviously very influential. And so in some expressions, even today, people will go door to door and they'll do treats and that kind of thing, or they even call them soul cakes, but they'll do them for the purposes of trying to move loved ones out of purgatory. Well, purgatory is not even in the Bible. It's not a biblical concept. And the idea is that if you uh, die, there could be some middle place. Instead of being with the Lord or being under judgment, maybe there's a middle place called purgatory, but the Bible knows nothing of that. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? At home with the Lord. So that's what makes heaven heaven is where the Lord is. So, with some help from this, this article that I've been quoting for you, let me just make some suggestions as we wind down. First, Christians should not respond to Halloween like superstitious pagans. I'm quoting, pagans are superstitious. Christians are enlightened by the truth of God's word. Evil spirits are no more active and sinister on Halloween than they are on any other day of the year. In fact, any day is a good day for Satan to prowl about, seeking whom he may devour. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has forever disarmed principalities and powers, triumphing over them through the cross. Don't respond like superstitious pagans respond. Don't do it. You don't have to. Number two, Christians should respond to Halloween with, with cautionary wisdom. I already quoted this before, but just be wise. Don't go somewhere or do something that is going to in any way violate your conscience Or your Christian values. Go somewhere that's safe. Right here, we will do a harvest fest. And I guarantee you, there will be people here that are non-Christians. You know why they come here? Because it's a safe environment. They'll come here. Many people will be unchurched who come here on Tuesday night. We'll have hundreds and hundreds of people. And they'll come here for the safety and they'll be exposed to you and to me. And we'll have a chance to love them and show them the love of Christ and the truth of Christ. Let's exploit those opportunities. Let's be a light in the darkness. Okay? Now, I will say this. There was a video going around. It came out. I think the origins was, it were from a Calvary Chapel some years ago. And there was a gentleman on that video who had had a very negative, dark experience with Halloween. And he, in his testimony, said, I will have nothing to do with this holiday. I would say to that gentleman, if that's your conscience, then that's what you should do. But here's a key chapter, and I don't have time to uh, go through it this morning, but I would encourage you to, this week, read Romans 14. Write this down and read it. Romans 14 basically makes the argument that Christians should stop judging one another when it comes to matters of opinion. This is the essence of the chapter about what people, what days they worship on, what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, food choices, etc. And Paul basically says, before their Lord, they're going to stand or fall and stand they will because they're a Christian. So on debatable matters of opinion, grace needs to go in both directions. Please hear me well. If a Christian has a a passionate mindset. I want nothing to do with this. I'm just going to turn my lights down, ignore the door, go to a restaurant, have nothing to do with it. If that's your conscience, that's what you should do. But judgment should not come from Christians who are saying, no, we're supposed to be handing out gospel tracts, man, and doing a Christian or a alternative to Halloween, man. Get with it. Stop it. Don't. We're not to be in judgment of that person. If they had a dark experience with that holiday, then just let them before the lord that's their conscience but we also shouldn't look sideways at christians who take their kids to christian alternative hol- uh, celebrations or even go door to door in a superman costume we need to chill out they're not practicing the ancient festival of druidism and awen they're dressed as superman getting candy okay The holiday has become largely secular. We all know that. Most Americans have no clue of anything I've told you this morning. All they know is this is something that we do in America. We have a party or we dress up. And so we got to be careful that grace goes in both directions, that we don't say, oh, you let your kid dress up as Batman. Right? We got to be careful that... Grace goes in both directions. It, I believe that this is really a matter of conscience. If you can just do what you do and, it's, and you're okay in your conscience, then so be it. Here's two things that Romans 14 teaches. One, you have a lot of grace, uh, liberties, freedom in Jesus Christ, okay? But number one, Very important. You never use grace as an excuse for sin. Never. Number two, you never use grace or your freedoms in Christ as a stumbling block for others. Easy way to remember Romans 14. Here's the essence of it. Don't use your freedoms and liberties in Jesus Christ as an excuse to sin. Don't use your freedoms and liberties in Jesus Christ to stumble somebody else. Two important things. Not an excuse for sin, they're both S's, and not an excuse to stumble somebody else. Thanks for listening to a step closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com.